Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians? We're going to read um, from uh, the 13th chapter, verse number 5. And I'm so glad to see all of you here tonight. Amen. Um, This is part three of when faith is drifting. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine yourselves. Okay, every once in a while you need to take a step back and take an honest look at yourself. Whether ye be in the faith. Are you in church like you ought to be? Are you praying like you ought to be praying? Is your walk with God like it ought to be? Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Look at yourself, whether you're walking right, talking right, living right. Prove your own selves. Amen. Amen. I, I want us to just bow our heads, and again, this is part three of when faith is drifting. Brother Crawley, would you pray for us? Man, turn around and tell somebody it's not time to drift. You may be seated. You know, I, I said that it was part three of this series, and honestly, I, I hope you have stuff to take some notes with tonight. Um, honestly, when I started um, about a month ago, um, I, I really thought it was just going to be a one-night uh, Bible study, but it just it's just turned into more, and I should be finishing. In fact, I will be finishing this tonight, uh, but this is a hugely important subject. It's about your faith drifting. It's about examining yourself. It's about knowing when you're beginning to head in the wrong direction. Why is this subject so important? Well, it's important because according to Gallup, the Gallup poll, half of Americans are church members. Half of Americans are church members. Now, uh, you, would, you would say, wow, that's awesome. Half of the country is, is a church member. Well, it's awesome until you realize that in 1999, of Americans were church members. 70% 
of Americans in 1999 were church members, okay? Now, that statistic, 70% had held true since the 1930s. So, from, I believe, 1937 until 1999, 70% of Americans were church members. Then from 1999 to right now, it's gone down 20%. That's astounding. That's shocking when you see how many people are walking away from the church. The, the other thing is, is that they're not just, you know, religious people that are staying home. You know, it's not that. Uh, according to this same Gallup poll, most of the decline is attributed uh, to increase in the percentage with no religion. So 20%, the majority of them aren't just staying home from church, but they're actually starting to say that, that we don't believe in God. They're actually starting to say that we don't have any faith at all. And then the thing that's shocking about that statistic is, another thing that's surprising, is that that was pre-COVID. That was pre COVID. Well, what has COVID done to, to churches and to Christianity? According to Berna, B-U-R-N-A, one in three practicing Christians has stopped attending church since COVID started. I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about staying home from church to, to be safe. I'm talking about have quit uh, supporting, have quit going, have quit uh, having anything to do with church. One in three. One in three since March. Let, let me tell you something, friend. If, it has, if there's ever been a time when we need to keep our faith in God, it's right now. If there's ever been a time when we need to be praying, it is now. If there's ever been a time when we need to be faithful, it is right now. Now, I, 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 you know me. I, I try uh, to not get political behind this pulpit, but, but, friend, I just tell you what I am figuring out right now, just watching everything that's going on, I, I think the church needs to begin to humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God. It's time to turn towards God. It's time to get a hold of God. It's time to get a hold of the altar. It's not time to run away from the altar. We need to run to the altar. Amen. It's just the truth. Anyway, we, we begin by going over uh, the ten ways to know that your faith is drifting. It, was, it, it started as an article I read uh, by a man, a pastor named John Siebling. And the first thing we talked about and is fear and anxiety are driving you. The first, first way to know your faith is drifting is when fear and anxiety are driving you. Now, Understand, we all deal with fear. We all do. Uh, probably every person in this room would tell you they're afraid of something. We all deal with fear. We all deal with, with certain types of anxiety. But, but one indicator that something is wrong is when these things begin to drive you. Okay? Number two. Number two, an indicator that your faith is drifting. You're making excuses for sin in your life. 
Don't everybody run the aisles at once. It is a sign that your faith is drifting when, when you have uh, become an expert at making excuses for your sin. Now, I didn't mean to talk very much about this, but I'm, I'm telling you, we are living in a generation that, that has learned how to justify doing and being a part of whatever they want to do and be a part of. They can justify it. By the time they get done talking, you know, They've, they've convinced everybody that it's okay for them to do the things that, that, that they want to do. And, and hear me because this is very important. You might be able to justify your sin to your family members, your spouse. You may be able to uh, justify your sin to society. But one day you are going to have to stand before God. And I'm afraid uh, that, that some of these excuses we, we come up with to justify our sins, I'm afraid that it's not going to cut it. Amen? It's a sign that we are in a spiritual decline when we begin to justify our sins. Okay, number three. Number three, you've stopped reading your Bible. It, it, when you stop Getting the Word of God on the inside of you, it is a sign that something is bad wrong. Especially in 2020, it is too easy to, to listen to the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to get the Word of God inside of you. It's too easy. So if, if you are, are not doing something to get a hold of the Word of God, or to, to eat the Word of God, to ingest the Word of God. If you're not doing something, then, then spiritually there's something wrong with you. And you need to get it fixed. All right, number four. Number four, you've pulled back from friends who are pursuing God. There have been friends in my life, Brother Blaine, that I have had to pull back from because they were not pursuing God. There have been friends I've had to separate myself from them because of, of a wicked lifestyles that I couldn't be a part of. But, but there's something wrong when we're pulling away from people who are pursuing God. Amen. If you've got friends that, that do pursue God, you need to stay close to them. Amen. Number five, you're letting your emotions lead you. Boy, that, that, that is huge right there. You need to underline that. Because Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is your emotions are deceitful. Well, I'm, I'm just going to follow my heart. You better not. You're going to get in a mess. Well, I'm just going to do what my heart says to do. Your heart's probably lying to you. You better be careful. I'm just going to let my emotions lead me. They're going to lead you into a mess. Be careful. You know, and, and I, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. We are spirit-led people. You know, we, are, we allow the spirit to lead us, but you better be careful you better be careful when your emotions get all tied into something because all of the sudden, you know, you, you better be careful how you're being led right then when your emotions are involved. 
You better make sure and get into the Word of God. You better make sure and pray. Okay, number five, you're letting your emotions lead you. Number six, you've lost compassion for people. There is something wrong with you when you no longer have compassion for people. There's something wrong when you, when you aren't excited about someone going to the altar for the first time. There's something wrong. There, there's something wrong when, when we see people that are hurting and there's, and, and there's not anything inside of us that wants to help them. There's something wrong. Amen? When people are hurting, Christians should lead the charge to try to help to try to love. Do you understand? Amen. Amen. Number seven, number seven, you're not engaged with what is happening in church. You're disconnecting from church. All right. And here we are. Number eight, number eight, way to to tell that your faith is drifting. You are easily offended with people and you're easily offended with the church. Nobody clapped their hands. Not one person. But that's a sign that something is wrong with us spiritually. When we begin to get easily offended with people and with the church. Look at Proverbs 19 and 11 with me. And after that, we're going to go to Luke 7 and 23. Proverbs 19 and 11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Amen. What does that mean? The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. It's up to you whether or not you're going to get angry. It's up to you. It's up to you. And, and what you get angry about says a lot about who you are. What, what you allow to get you all stirred up says a lot about who you are. Amen. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. It says, it, it says a lot about a man who, who can let transgressions go and be the bigger person. I don't believe in changing the scripture, but I, I'm going to change it just a little bit. It says a lot about a woman when she decides, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to remember this thing that was done against me. I'm not going to make a list of all the offenses in my life. Amen. Then Luke, Luke 7, 23 says, and blessed is he. That's that, blessed. Is it blessed or blessed, Sister Crawley? Blessed. I always wonder. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. I was listening. uh, There's a guy named uh, Chris Jamie. He said this. um, He said, they call good evil and evil good. There are those who are so easily offended that they lose their ability to ever discern any truth. They're so easily offended. I believe, I believe that we're seeing people in, in this hour. Have, have you ever known someone who was addicted to drama? You ever known anybody like that? Anybody got any relatives? 
Don't look at the person sitting beside you. Amen. I, I believe there are those, too, that are always looking for offense. Almost like they're, they're addicted to being offended. They're always getting offended. I don't want you to raise your hand, but, but you know, there, there's some folks, every, every uh, family get-together, they're going to get offended about something. You know, there, there's, there's some folks, um, every, every church service, they're, they're going to they're get offended by something because they're looking for things to be offended at. You know, I, it, it, it's important because according to the Word of God, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. You know, what you allow to anger you and trip you up says a lot about who you are. Amen. Uh, James Poynton, he wrote an article called Stop Being So Offended. He said, the world, it seems, is full of people who are easily irritated or offended by the actions and speech of others, with the result that they seek retribution by being equally or even more offensive in return. This, of course, promotes a vicious, toxic circle of tit-for-tat insults and actions that can cause irreparably damaged friendships, family bust-ups, and ruin businesses or work relationships permanently because of offense, okay? But, but hear me, and, and I want you to focus in on what I'm about to say. Offenses can and will destroy the momentum and the growth of a church. Offenses, it will burn the pastor out. People getting offended all the time. It'll burn the pastor out. It'll burn the leaders of the church out. People being offended all the time. You'll, you'll get some momentum going. Everybody's excited because, my God, we had church, and boy, we shouted, and we danced, and God moved, and then somebody gets offended, and it kills that momentum, and it kills the growth because, you know, people are looking to be offended, and then, have you ever noticed, generally, generally, it's, it's not enough for one person to be offended. They've got to look around for somebody else to be offended with them. And, and I, I, I'm just going to preach. Is that okay? Is that all right? Facebook Live? I'm just going to preach. You know, one thing that drives me absolutely insane is when, you know, somebody who's been in church for years, they get upset about something, and instead of going to someone else that's been in church for years, they'll end up going to a new convert and talking to them about it. You know, to me, that's as bad as, as having lost loved ones and you getting offended at church and you going to your lost loved ones and, and talking bad about the church. To me, it's the same type of a thing. Be careful. Be careful when you are offended. Some, some people, if you're not careful, you will proudly wear your offendedness. And I don't even know if offendedness is a word. But uh, my, my iPad says it's not, but I'm going to use it anyway. 
If you're not careful, you'll proudly wear your offendedness as a badge of honor, not realizing the uh, the damage you're doing to your family, not realizing the damage that you're doing to people around you, not realizing the damage that you're doing to the church. Now, I, I knew I knew this one family. Oh, they had Brother Hardy. They had all the potential in the world. They had all the potential in the world, but but. Uh, they, they went over here, and uh, the young kids were starting to develop. They were starting to do good. But then all of a sudden, uh, the patriarch of the family, they got offended. So we're not coming back. And they, they got to cause a bunch of drama over here. And so they, they go over here. And, and you know, the, the kids start coming up. They start being developed. Things are, things are going good. And then they get offended over here. And so... Well, we're leaving here, so they go go over here, and they got to talk bad about over here. They go over here, and and they're starting to do good. Everything's going well. The 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 family is being used and being developed, and then they get offended again. And this time they go over here, but this time the children don't go anywhere. They just quit going. You know, and and and. These churches over here, they've been tore up because of all the drama, because of people being offended. You know, and, and if they'd have hung in there, if they'd have looked over the offense, they could have had revival. And, and those kids, if, if, if their family who should have known better, if they would have matured and not been uh, constantly looking for offense, you know, those kids could have been developed through Sunday school and youth stuff and come to church. They could have been developed, but they end up saying, my God, there's something wrong with every church. Every church offends us, so we're just not going to go to church. And, and you know, uh, finally the older generation, we don't know what's wrong with our kids, and, and no church feels like home. We just can't find a home. It's because they've been wearing their badge of offense with honor. Amen. It's serious. You better be careful. Okay, listen. If you often find yourself in the position of being easily offended, I'm going to give you some ways that will help counter those feelings. Number one, number one, ways to counter being offended. Number one, understand your feelings. What is it that causes you to be offended? The answer is you. Or more precisely, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. Please don't be offended by me preaching against being offended. Okay? But, but, but uh, what causes me to be offended, if I'm not careful, a lot of times it's my ego. It's my ego. Nobody can force you to be offended against your will. Nobody. Nobody. You know, I, I was preaching one time, I preached my, I, I sang before I preached, and then I preached my guts out, gave it all that I could give, and uh, this guy walked up to me after the service, he put his arm around me, and he said, well, you can't sing like your grandpa, and you can't preach like your daddy. And uh, I thought, well, sir. I don't like you either. But, but then it hit me. He was trying to compliment my family is what he was trying to do. 
And so I just said, well, man, my God, I, I, I'm trying my best. And uh, he laughed. And, you know, now we're big buddies. We're big friends. And, but it's because I made the choice. I'm not going to be offended. Even though what he said was ignorant and goofy, I'm not going to be offended. <laughs> you know, it's a decision. Okay, number two, understand why someone is being offensive. Always keep in mind that when someone makes offensive comments or displays offensive behavior towards you, it says a lot more about them than it does about you. They, not you, are displaying character weakness. Them, not you. It's damaging them. Number three. Okay, this one's not easy right here, what, what I'm going to talk about right here. Sister Catherine, this isn't easy. Understand or recognize constructive criticism. We're talking about offense. Recognize constructive criticism. There is a difference between a spirit of criticism and constructive criticism. And how far you can go in ministry and how far you can go in, in the work of God, in the kingdom of God, a lot of times it is determined on what, how you handle constructive criticism. Okay, a spirit of criticism is not right. Tearing people down is not right. You know, I've, I've, I've had people come to me and, and be critical and then say something like, I'm just keeping you humble. God has never called anybody to keep someone else humble. He never has. He never has. But if, for example, you think you're a great singer, but someone respectfully points out some areas that you need improvement in, how do you, how do you respond to that? If you're offended where no offense was intended, then in this case, the character weakness is all yours. This is an ego problem. It's a self-image problem. Ego is the image we have of ourselves, and you can only be offended if your ego is overinflated. Constructive criticism is a good thing. Now, now have enough sense to realize uh, sometimes that person might be getting 10 or 15 constructive uh, critiques, and you don't want to overwhelm someone. But, but when someone comes to you and they have constructive criticism, it's not a bad thing. And not every criticism that you receive is, is wrong. Uh, is that okay? Is that okay? All right. Number four, recognize the effects of outside influences. We're talking about not being offended. What do you mean, recognize the effects of outside influences? Well, you know, I had someone being really mean to me not long ago. I mean, really mean. And uh, most of the time, you know, I'm laid back. I'm not going to say very much. But uh, this time, I just, I just did. I said, would you like for me to pray for you about something? And all of a sudden, that mean, smart aleck uh, exterior it just melted, and they started crying. 
and they had a family member that was sick, and they were worried about them. Be aware of stuff like that, Christian. Look, instead of looking for reasons to be offended, a Christian should look for reasons not to be offended. There are some mean people in this world. There are. There are some people that are rude. There are some people who are unfriendly. There are some people that do not care. You will run into those people, but, but oftentimes there's a reason why someone treats you like they do. And you would be surprised at the impact that kindness has in, in people's lives. That's something I've, I, I learned from my mom and dad. I mean, they, they just, they just uh, have always seemed like they had a knack for being kind to people at the right time. And, and that's always brought a blessing. Amen. If you will be kind to people who aren't kind to you, you would be shocked at how blessed you'll end up being. Amen. Number five, learn to pray about it. Boy, this is huge right here. Offenses will come. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no, no matter what side of the tracks you were born on, no, no matter how much money you have or don't have, no matter how great your job is or, or if you don't have a job at all, I'm telling you, offenses will come come whether you're a preacher or you're not a preacher whether you're on the platform or you never come to the platform offenses will come they're just going to come and the problem is so often sister leah is is before we pray about it we're oh we're so angry we go to facebook about it you know we got we got to put it on facebook because it didn't actually happen un, un, unless we put it you know, it's one of those, that, that, did people hear the, the tree fall in the woods? You know, did it actually make noise? You know, it, 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 it couldn't be real if I haven't put it on social media. Can I just tell y'all that not everything belongs on social media? Your testimony does. Your aggravation most of the time doesn't. Amen. But, but anyway, uh, what was I even talking about? Oh, offense. It, this is stuff that's too easy to get off on tangents about. But, but, but offense, outside influences, recognize those things. Sometimes there's reasons people act like that. And if you will be kind in the face of someone being unkind, it makes an impact for God. Oh, learn to pray about it. That's what I was talking about. Learn to pray. Don't let prayer be the last thing you turn to. Let it be the first thing. Not after you've gone, like I said, to social media, and, and you've called and got some people to agree with you. You got yourself all worked up. And then you've retaliated, maybe. And then, oh, I need to pray. No. Pray about it first. Let me, let me tell you something. And, and I've said this before, but I had an opportunity to be with Brother Tenney one time. And Brother Blaine, one of the great lessons of my life is, is he told me, and he didn't know that much about me, but he looked at me and he said, look, how do you know that you're a servant? Your initial reaction to being treated like a servant will tell you whether or not you really have a servant spirit. Oh. Oh. Oh, y'all, when we're offended, 
try to hold it in and take it to God. Amen. Take it to God. Number six. Number six, expand your cultural horizons. A common cause of being offended where no offense is intended is people's lack of awareness of different cultures and social norms, whether, whether foreign or homegrown. Give me an example of that. Okay. Uh, someone from up north was needing prayer, and they were texting me about, about their issues, Brother Wink. Um, they were from up north. And they were telling all these issues they, they wanted me to pray about. And so, you know, in the South, if somebody comes to you with a bunch of issues, you'll say, poor thing. You know, so that's what I text back. I said, poor thing. I'm going to be praying for you. And their response was, I'm not a poor thing. Who's a poor thing? How am I poor? You know, there was something lost in translation. And be mindful of that. We're talking about not getting offended. Be mindful that sometimes there are things lost in cultural translation. Okay, number seven. Number seven. One of the best ways to to not get offended is to not be offensive. Don't be offensive. I want to read from you uh, to you from Ecclesiastes seven twenty one through twenty two says, also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. In other words, if you hear, if, if, if you are cursing others, don't be surprised if your servant is out cussing, cursing even more people. Does that make sense? If my children hear me doing a bunch of of cursing of other people, then I can't be surprised if they're going around cursing people. And one day they're going to get upset at me and do the same thing to me. What are you saying, Brother Johnson? I'm saying don't be offensive. Don't be offensive. Okay, that was number eight. Number nine, I spent way more time than I thought to, but it was so much fun talking about that. Number nine, sign that you've been drifting. You've stopped praying for God to move in your life. It's a sign, Brother Sill, that you're drifting spiritually when you stop asking God to use you. When you stop asking God to work through you. When you stop asking God to bless you. It's a sign that your faith is drifting. Psalms 32 and 6 says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Isn't that something? For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Psalms 102, 16 and 17 says, When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. Amen. I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care how you've been hurt. I don't care what you've been through. It's saying right here, the Lord will hear your prayer. He will regard your prayer. Amen. 
He's not going to hate hearing from you. Don't allow yourself to get in a situation where you're no longer praying for yourself. Amen. This is hugely important. Amen. I, I, I want to talk for, for just a second. My goodness, I'm running out of time. But I, I, I want to talk about keys to a more successful prayer life. Listen, you need to read the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to do it right now, but you need to read that because you want to take your prayer life to another level, start with the Lord's Prayer. It's a foundation. You know, it, it's kind of like the, the uh, um, you know, when, when you put the two-by-fours up and everything, it's, it's just the form, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not saying you have to always pray this way, but this is a form that you can follow to a successful prayer life. But, but number one, know who you're speaking to. Know who you're speaking to. Our Father, who art in heaven. He is our Father. How many of you dads like for your kids to uh, come to you when they've got problems? It makes me feel good. Dad, can you figure this out for me? Doesn't that make you feel good, Brother Wink? When you know you know something they don't know? They still, they still need their old dad. You know, moms, doesn't that make you feel good? Okay, he's, he's our father. He wants the, the very best for us. He wants to help you. Okay, he's our father. Two, thank him. Thank him. Amen. One, you know, a genuine, sincere thank you is a great way to start any conversation. It's a great way. You know, thank you. But God loves to see people with grateful hearts. But even more important than that, as we take time to praise God for all that he has done in the past, when we start praising God for answered prayers from the past, impossible situations overcome, healing from the past, grace from the past, as we begin to thank God, all of a sudden our Faith begins to grow on the inside of us. And we begin to believe for even greater answers to prayer. As our faith grows stronger and, and we become more confident. Listen, praise opens the gates of heaven and should always be a part of our alone time with God. Praise. Okay, number three, ask for God's will. In, in, a, in a world where, I'm just being honest, in a world where, where right and wrong are frequently confused and the future tends to be so uncertain, it, it can be hard knowing how to pray. It can be hard knowing what to ask God for. It, 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 it can be hard. That's why he said, you know, pray for my will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's important that we learn to pray for the will of God to be done in our lives. When you stop praying for the will of God in your life, then friend, you've got problems. Okay. All right. Uh, number four, tell him what you need. Y'all remember that song, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up and tell him what you want. 
call him up. <laughs> call him up. Tell him what you want. <laughs> Amen. Tell him what you need. In Jesus' time, bread was just a staple. Bread was one of the most basic needs of life. He did not hesitate to pray for it. Don't hesitate to bother God with what it is that you need. He is our Father. He cares about what we need. Big, small, He cares about it all. It's the truth. Okay, number five, ask for forgiveness. Talking about successful praying. Ask for forgiveness. Amen. Look, James 5 and 16 says this. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. This reminds us that if we want our prayers to be heard, our hearts need to be right with God. Right with God and right with one another. If you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, maybe some repenting is in order. There's a reason why here lately, we, look, we've been doing our very best to have the best uh, altar services we can without actually having people flood the altars. You know, we're trying to, to be safe. But there's a reason why uh, that I start by leading people in a prayer of repentance. Amen. Because there's something about making sure we're right with God, that, that once we get that right, we can go to another level. I'm not ashamed to repent. I'm not embarrassed. In fact, I will tell you, as the pastor of this church, I repent every single day. I wish I didn't have to, but I repent every single day. I do. Okay, number six. You want your prayers to work good? Pray with a friend. Amen. I... I'm not even a little bit shy to ask Brother Seal, hey, Brother Seal, can you pray with me about something? I have. I've asked him, let's pray about this together. I don't have any problem telling Brother Blaine, hey, can you get the prayer team to pray about this? Because there's something about you, you get two or three together praying about one thing. And you know the cool thing is, is I don't even have to tell Brother Blaine what my situation is. Sometimes I can just say, I've got an unspoken request, but can you help me pray? Isn't that something? Number seven, pray the word. Pray the word and memorize scripture. The most important key to a vibrant prayer life is to understand our spiritual authority in, in Christ as, as explained in the scriptures. The only way to do that is to become intimately familiar with the word of God. Even a few minutes a day in the Word of God will add strength and authority to your prayers. Pray the Word of God. Old Bishop Golder, Brother Crawley, uh, Bishop Golder uh, ended up with Alzheimer's, dementia, something like that. They, he, he, one of the greatest preachers of all time, Bishop Golder. It got to the point where he didn't even recognize his family, but yet he, he could you could go in there and you could start talking about, about God. And, and you could start talking about scriptures. And all of a sudden he would start quoting scriptures. Boom, 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 boom. How in the world did he do that? Because he had hidden the word down deep in his heart. 
Man, he knew the word better than he knew some people because he had hidden the word. You talking about taking your prayers to another level in God? God, you said you are the God that healeth me. You said, God, you said by your stripes we are healed. God, that's what your word says. God, you said you would supply every one of my needs according to your riches and glory. You said that. Amen. Amen. Let's stand right now. Ten. I told y'all I was going to finish tonight. Oh, y'all, I got another hour left. Y'all want to sit back down? No, no, I've been counting yawns. There's been 20 of them. Listen, number 10, number 10, a way to know when your faith is drifting, Sister Ira, is when you begin to feel hopeless about the future. When you start feeling hopeless, it's a, it's a sign that your faith isn't where it needs to be. I, I love Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Amen. Doesn't that make you feel good? God has plans for you. They're good plans, not evil plans. They're good plans. Amen. I, I, I want you to remember this. No matter what we go through, suffering is temporary. It's easy to get discouraged. Uh, Sister Gina, it's easy to get discouraged when we're working for a reward here. The truth is, we may never get rewarded here. We may never get a pat on the back here. We may not ever have anyone clap for us here. Our reward is an eternal reward. That's what we're working for. You need to remember that. You need to remember that what we're going through is, is only for a season. And you need to remember that Christians have been called to be light in the darkness. Don't be surprised that there's darkness. Amen. Until, un, until the Lord comes back, there will always be darkness. Amen. But we're, we're not called to be impressed by the darkness. We're just called to be light. Amen. Amen. Then the last thing that I would say to you is this. Amen. We need to persist. Despite corruption, despite even persecution, we need to keep on existing, being light being what we're called to be. We need to keep on praying. We need to keep on believing. We need to keep on standing. We need to keep on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't lose sight that, that the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. Don't lose sight. Don't lose sight. Let the world you know, my grandpa wrote that song, I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. Just realize you're not part of that. 